Welcome to Matinee with Matt, the ultimate rendezvous for all things entertainment. My name is Matt Kreeth, a film critic, and I'm joined weekly by my husband, Michael. Not so much a film critic. So grab your popcorn as we dive headfirst into the world of movies, TV shows, books, and beyond. Well, welcome everybody to a new episode of Matinee with Matt. And we have a, a returning guest with us today. Special guest. Miss <laughs> Gabby has returned for a little introduction here to our our episode. Hi, Gabby. How are you? Um, just slightly offended because you guys called me not a real guest. <laughs> <laughs> this is fine. This is when our opportunity. Your, to... When you got your first like celebrity. <laughs> Yeah, Somebody who yeah. actually works within the industry guess, but that's fine. Only you I'm, were I'm the first. <laughs> oh, please. I feel like this is going to be a common thing with this podcast that you're going to come on like every few months uh-huh. and we're just going to check in with you. I mean, you and I are going to South by in a month, so uh, I know we'll probably That's do another whole other podcast episode about our, our journey to South by again, but we're happy to have you because you were our very first guest on this podcast, and today we have uh, our very first Oscar-nominated guests. Wow, so, congratulations, uh, it's a, Thanks. It's been a, a nice little ride here at the Madney with Matt podcast. It's been super fun. Yeah. See, see, Gabby, you were just the start of getting like once they were like, oh, Gabby was on their podcast. Okay, I'll come on it. So there you go. There's the spin that we'll take this with. Please keep me humble. But today we had Ben Proudfoot and Chris Bowers from The Last Repair Shop. Yeah. And filmmakers behind it. Filmmakers behind it which was really cool. It's a story about a repair shop, if you could have guessed it, but not just like, not like a car mechanic repair shop, but an instrument repair shop. Yeah. Specifically for, for schools, for uh, students to, to learn instruments on how to play instruments. Gabby, we did ask them. And unfortunately, uh, I don't think that this repair shop does do repairs on recorders. And I know that that's where your musical <laughs> like limits end. But Matt did that's ask where mine is. Yeah, yeah. Great hot cross buns. <laughs> hot cross buns got a shout out for me. Matt did ask a hard hitting question that you'll hear later about making a case for the recorder. And so it was really cute and interesting to hear. Uh, you went the hat on deck, yeah. Well, mostly because I, you know, we all had to learn the recorder as kids in school. And then my mom, who's a teacher or retired teacher now, she used to have to teach the recorder to her kids. Oh, and what a and she would ask me questions like, Do you remember how to do this? I'm like, fuck no, I don't was uh Sandy like at home with the recorder practicing? Like, did you hear her practicing yes, it? Absolutely. <laughs> he goes over and he's like, Mom, your form. Your form yeah, is yeah. Wrong. <laughs> Um but Gabby, yeah, I mean, the thing the story was really cool because it's this like, you know, element of a little bit of like the butterfly effect, but like one little positive thing like can lead to you who know, like hopefully a, a million more positive things. Yeah. We were talking a little bit about like, you know, the importance of music edu- in, in the education uh, system around like just all the different things that it brings with like 
confident, discipline, learning a new skill. Um, what were you really into in school that like kept you motivated and disciplined? Definitely sports. Yeah, yeah. I would have guessed that. I yeah. feel like if um, I've seen this on movies, I don't really know if we had any liberal arts schools or anything else like that that offered things outside of like uh, you know the, the the classic band brass or mm -hmm. orchestra string mm -hmm. instruments if they would have had something like piano or guitar or other options i would have been really i would have pursued that i think for sure yeah i wonder if they do that now like why because i would have enjoyed i liked the piano like i oh, guess yeah. percussion taught me like the piano to some degree because of the xylophone but yeah I bet you, I mean, I don't know. Here we are, just a bunch of old farts sitting around talking about when <laughs> I was They probably that. teach, yeah, they probably teach, like, the electric guitar now. I kind of went to Juilliard instead of junior <laughs> college. <laughs> <laughs> she started climbing all the liberal arts. No. <laughs> I guess we'll never know. But there is still time. Um, and you'll have to check out our interview here coming up. It was a really good film. It does come out Friday, a bunch of places. Matt, where did they, where it comes well, out a lot of places Friday. It's, uh, it's already been out. It's currently streaming on Hulu and Disney plus, and you can also find it on YouTube, but it is being re-released into theaters ah, okay. as are a lot of, um, the short films that are nominated for the Academy Awards this year, uh, including this one. So, um, we were just really Excited to talk to Ben and Chris about The Last Repair Shop, and uh, I hope everybody um, gets a little kick out of our conversation. All right. Well, we are very happy to uh, welcome Ben Proudfoot and Chris Bowers to Matinee with Matt today. They are the filmmakers behind The Last Repair Shop, which is a documentary short about a Los Angeles shop where a dwindling handful of devoted craftspeople keep over 80,000 student instruments in good repair. And it's one of the last of these types of shops around the country. So welcome both. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, and I do want to mention the last repair shop was nominated for an Academy Award for uh, Best Documentary Short Subject. And so my question, That's awesome. first question for both of you is, what was Oscar nominations like morning like for you? Uh, I know you've both been nominated before. Uh, one of you has won before. Uh, but what uh, what was that morning like? Where do you were you flooded with calls? Were you up at five thirty in the morning watching the nominations? Uh, how how was that day for you? Yeah, we uh, we were down at the repair shop. Uh, we were there with uh, the technicians. Cool. <laughs> and, uh... We had a couple of the students with us. Godly hour. <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> yeah, thankfully, thankfully we were nominated because otherwise, I think we would have had some pretty upset parents. And uh... <laughs> yeah, I'm up early for this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was it was so special. I just have you know implanted in my mind the image of all of the uh, technicians um, in our film. Dwayne, Dana, and Patty, and Steve just getting this huge group hug uh, and celebration uh, after they they announced the title. And um, yeah, it was just so special just to be there with everybody and have this like familial warm response. Uh, you know, some of our crew on the film and uh, and some of the other technicians that that work there that were there, and also you know talking about how much they feel like this film 
represents them. And so they have a lot of pride um, in being a part of this shop. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was a really special moment. How about how about for you, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember thinking, I hope this goes well. I mean, you have like a little 11-year-old, you know, Porsche yeah. standing there <laughs> waiting for the results. Um, we were just thrilled. I mean, we were jumping up and down. Uh, it was such an exciting moment and, and a meaningful moment because I think what it really meant is that the shop, which, you know, as we all know, music and arts funding in our public schools has just been cut and cut and cut for decades. Yeah. Uh, so it's so rare to have a win like this. Um, yeah. And I think these these repair people who toil away in, in quiet and in the shadows of sort of the this industrial part of Los Angeles to be suddenly... Uh, this huge shaft of sunlight from the documentary branch of the Academy to shine in was extremely cathartic. That is so awesome to hear. Yeah, yeah I can't even imagine. I'm so glad that it went well because I can't <laughs> imagine what like the contingency plan is. It's like, well, you know, I, yeah, I, uh, yeah, well, I know. <laughs> five thirty in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Do either of you play an instrument? Okay. Nice. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. Yeah. Because so did it, what brought, what drew you to the story to share? Like it was so, I, I was in band in middle school. Um, and my sister actually stuck with it. Um, but it's just one of those things that you don't think about, like as a child, like, you know, these instruments being kept and, and all that stuff. So what drew you to tell this behind the scenes story of really keeping the wheels moving for music programs in the L.A. school district? Yeah, for me, um, it was exactly that what you were talking about in terms of being a, a young student that relied on those instruments and and never really thought about how they were kept in good repair. I mean, I've been playing piano since I was four. Um, and by the time I was in elementary school, piano was kind of the place where I felt um, emotionally safest in terms of like uh, expressing emotion and uh, exploring emotion. And I feel like there's so many things that I didn't really feel like I could articulate verbally, whether it was um, anxiety or, or sadness or anger or these things that I didn't really have a place to um, express those things, that piano became this immediate way for me to channel all of that. And so the music rooms in my elementary school and my middle school, and I went to an arts high school, were the places where I spent so much of my time and really um, uh, feeling this this comfort and this cathartic release and this this sense of confidence with the instrument. And when Ben told me about this repair shop, because Ben found out about it first, um, for me, that was the, the first thought I had was like, man, all those years, all those, uh, you know, pianos, and I played saxophone for a short while in middle school, um, I relied on them so heavily and never thought about how they were were repaired. And and now this is a moment to be able to connect to that repair shop and and say thank you to them essentially. And and like Ben said, shine a light on them. And it ended up uh, connecting me with Steve Bagmani and the piano technician who actually tuned the pianos in my middle school and elementary school. <laughs> wow, cool. <laughs> a really beautiful way for me to, um, in a sense, kind of shine a light on on. Uh, a part of this district that gave so much to me growing up here in LA. Uh, yeah. And what struck me is it's amazing that they, he's still working um, and, and doing this kind of work. And it's in the, in the film you interview uh, four repair men and women 
uh, that have worked at this shop for quite a long time, um, several decades in, in some cases, and um, and some of the students that are affected by a lot of their work, were they willing participants? Uh, what was what was that process like to 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 sit down and, and talk to, talk with them? And and uh, and were there some people that kind of opted out of of doing this film? Funny you should ask. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, right? Um, th- this is not a group of people where the press or filmmakers are banging on their door every day. Right. And the last time that the press had come, it was because there was a backlog at the repair shop. And the mm. story was about how it was underfunded and that it took several months to get an instrument back into the hands of students. And so they had kind of sworn off uh, talking to folks for, for quite a while. And so when I showed up and said, you know, we'd really like to make a film about this place. They're like, who is this Canadian guy and what do you want? Um, and so nobody was really willing initially to participate. And Steve, the supervisor in the film said, look, I, I can give you audience. I can gather everybody around and give you five minutes to make your case. But I can't, you know, force anybody to be in the movie. I said, of course. So everybody gathers around sort of, you know, arms crossed and uh, sort of torn away from whatever they were doing. I gave my little speech about what we wanted to do. And now our heart was in a good place and we weren't trying to make them look bad. And, you know, we were here to tell the inspiring story of what they do. And uh, at the end of it, I made my, you know, who's with me, Jerry Maguire kind of call. <laughs> and and uh, four people raised their hand. And those are the four people in the movie. And it's always funny to me when people say, oh, my gosh, how did you cast the movie? And how many people did you have to talk to? I was like, honestly, I, the fates aligned to deliver up four extraordinary, very different stories <laughs> that are all along the same vein of being sort of broken and repaired in some way by music um, and how that informs their their work. So um, we're so grateful to Steve and Patty and Dana and Dwayne for kind of laying it all out. I mean, not, not a, an easy thing to do, a very vulnerable thing to do. And that obviously provides kind of the beating heart of our film. Well, what a pitch. If yeah. you, it, like it really, it all came down to that because it turned out beautifully. Thank you. <laughs> I was curious to you. I, I loved how this focus of the film was around, again, like the repair strap and the impact of music and on everybody's lives. But it, it, I was thinking about it holistically together on how it really kind of represents doing like one little bit of good and like how that tuning and fixing an instrument like can provide so much opportunity to not only changing the lives of the people who have the jobs of repairing these instruments but then the lives of these children like it's just that exponential impact and so i i walked away from the film really feeling like like not to say it's like a small act of kindness but like having the you know the things that again go unnoticed or unthought of really have these downstream impacts to change the course of do we have a future Grammy winner? Do we have like <laughs> other like filmmakers that are, you know, in this experience? And so it just really kind of put me in this perspective of feeling like nothing is really insignificant. Uh, and so what, what was, what stuck out the most to you from any of these stories that kind of come top of mind A feeling like, wow, we, we didn't, we saw this on the surface, but then the iceberg below is much larger. Were there any of those moments while filming? Many. Our tagline is a little music goes a long way, which is exactly yes. what Okay. 
Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. I'm sure Chris can think of some too, but like, yeah. you know, just the that one moment where Steve comes, his father's been killed in this, you know, ethnic violence in Azerbaijan comes he's taken in by this family and and this piano tuner his his host who happens to be a piano tuner of course says uh you want to help come help me in the shop right that one that one <laughs> little extension i'm sure in his mind he's thinking what if this guy screws up or what you know what if i can't trust him or he can't really speak english very well or so many <laughs> reasons why maybe maybe i don't want to extend my yeah. hand he did and because he did it changed the course of history, and suddenly, many years later, this guy is a master piano tuner, tuning little Chris Bowers's piano, who then go, you know, it's this butterfly yeah. story, right? And so we're all faced with those moments when we, we can extend a hand of generosity or we cannot. And no one, will, no one will fault us if we don't. But if we do, we have the power to positively impact the universe around us. I love it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like, like Ben said, there's so many that, that come to mind. One just um, uh, surprising thing for me is is Dwayne's story. Just that like, you know, here's this this man that's so devoted and dedicated to to repairing these woodwind instruments and had this incredible career um, and, you know, to open for Elvis at his biggest show and, <laughs> uh, you know, have Carl Parker be involved with his his band and become his, you know, son's godfather, like all of this stuff. And to, um, have a sense of, of satisfaction with that and, and, uh, you know, dedication to what he's doing now. You know, I think that there are so many people that could have had that crazy wild ride brush with, with the heights of fame and, and still be trying to find a way to get back to that and chase that and, and, or be disgruntled somewhere because they, they're, they're, you know, moment in the in the spotlight is is past, and and for Dwayne to have that experience and to channel all of his love and passion into, you know, making these instruments uh, work better for for the next young person that might be able to have that type of experience, and um, I think that that was so uh, beautiful to see. I mean, everybody there is doing it for such noble reasons, and to never meet the students that they're doing this for, and and to just be dedicated with the um, imagined idea that, that, you know, this is having this impact, which we all know, but they're not able to really see, see it directly. And so for them to be doing that, um, I think in general was surprising for me, but Dwayne's story in this moment really stands out too, just how much he, um, uh, is dedicated to that given his own, uh, history and, and career. You have me thinking about it, but like all of their stories are about these small little moments of kindness, which, which are mm -hmm. reflective of what they're doing with the instruments. Patty too. Yeah. Right, like her that guy Mark Como that says you got to go take the test. You know, it, 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 I, I think uh, I, I haven't really thought about it, but I think that is definitely present. Right, these little, these little acts that can make all the difference in somebody else's life, and it's easy for us to do. Encourage someone, invite someone, you know, get yeah. to someone. It was all like really like it was all those little positive acts. Like I mean, I I, I it radiates off of the film on the difference that you can mm -hmm. make in someone's life. Like I think that really really shines yeah. through. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad it came through. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I grew up in Los Angeles. My mom's a retired uh, Los Angeles Unified School District teacher, elementary school oh. teacher. Uh, oh. My sister is currently a teacher um, in the LA area non-LAUSD. 
And so I, I know I've been around it my whole life. I know what an education, the importance of an education is. And, um, I, I do have to ask because I know about the lack of funding for LAUSD teachers, often these teachers are putting in their own money to, uh, to their classrooms and buying supplies and, and all of that, that we've heard for, for decades at this point. Do you feel like after this experience of filming this, this movie, do you feel like it's getting any better um, through through music education specifically? Yeah, you know, I think that the one great thing about this film getting the attention it's getting is that it definitely is is um, uh, raising the awareness within the district it's, itself. Like we went yeah. down to school board um, meeting and also went down to city hall and and to have council men and council women talk about the fact that they don't want to see this repair shop ever going away uh, and wanting to find a way to keep it around forever, I think is, um, is promising, you know, and even with, uh, since we've, uh, released the film, Steve received, I think 50,000 more instruments to the repair shop, um, <laughs> wow. over 130,000. And so, you know, there, there are these, um, moments where I think there's, uh, people that are being rallied behind this issue and, and want to try to figure out how to support it. Um, but it's one of those things that can always use more support, you know, and, and I don't think it, it could ever have um, too much, at least not anytime soon. So, you know, I think that there are some some small differences that we, we've seen happen since we've made the film. And I think that um, it's been really uh heartwarming to see how much maybe the film has had an impact in some of those those um, uh, advancements and and uh, efforts to make sure that this place stays cemented in our community. Um, but of course, you know, I think that I remember Steve hearing from the councilwoman that that this is this isn't going anywhere. And Steve was like, I've heard that before. So yeah, <laughs> at the end yeah. of the day, we definitely got to do whatever we can to keep supporting it here and and around the country for sure. Can you make a case for the recorder? Because that's all I kept thinking about when I was watching this movie. My mom had to use, like, she used to have to, like, teach the recorder. She knew nothing about it. And I learned on it. I think, Michael, you probably learned on it as well. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I guess it was probably formative when we were younger. But, you know, can you make the case we're still using that instrument in schools? Yeah. And actually, we know a few people who can literally make a case for a recorder and using styrofoam and cleaning <laughs> Um Yeah, I played recorder too. I remember I learned green sleeves yeah. on the recorder in Nova Scotia. I mean, I mean that, that's the thing, right? It's like there are many programs in LA and around the country and around the world that pluck out virtuoso musicians and give them yeah. access to incredible teachers and incredible instruments, et cetera. Those things are there. And they're fantastic, right? Chris is a beneficiary of many of those programs. What what LAUSD, what we're talking about with LAUSD is we're talking about, yes, there's some virtuoso musicians who will be professionals, but it's also everybody else who does not pursue a career in music, who is not a virtuoso, who's not going to be on stage at Carnegie Hall or Walt Disney Concert Hall, but for whom music education is transformative for whom music education is the reason they go to school because it's a fun class, right? They enjoy it. Uh, for whom music education means, means learning how to listen or learning how to play as part of the group or learning 
discipline of getting better at something every day and seeing how far you've come over a number of weeks or months or learning to get over stage fright because you're part of the band at the, you know, holiday concert or whatever. There's so many different ways that being part of um, music can help develop you as not only a, a student, but as a citizen, a future citizen. Um, and so for us, I think, you know, whether it's a double bass or a violin or a trumpet or a recorder or whatever else, and in, in some way, it's only part about the music and also mm -hmm. all the other things that come with it that you can bring into literally any other field that you go into um that's that is what i think we're investing in when we're putting an instrument into the hand of a of a student young student well said yeah totally because i just remember <laughs> learning hot cross buns right um, yeah, yeah, hot cross buns <laughs> chopsticks uh you know what what other uh, we'll play below all right <laughs> so Chris Mitch and Ben you found this repair shop and so I'm curious around what sort of digging like how, like where why was your nose sniffing around there for the next story yeah so so Jeremy Lambert our producer is the one who found it um, okay. and I, I like I said his brother is a luthier and builds guitars I, I think that's why it he snagged on that um and I actually asked him the other day, and he said, yeah, you're probably right. Um, and then I was already working with Chris on a concerto as a conversation. And I thought, he's from L.A. Maybe he went to LAUSD. And so and so that's sort of where the how it cross-pollinated. Um, and, you know, it's, it's hard. People ask that a lot. How do you come upon your ideas? Yeah. It's hard to say. I mean, there's not a rubric somewhere. You just kind of either feel like you want to spend several years you know, making the case for the recorder or not. Right. <laughs> um, and for us, it just felt like totally worthwhile and something we both wanted to put our own time and money and, and, uh, creativity into. So, so yeah. Um, we just, there, there wasn't ever any question. Yeah. There's there, no there like immediate like... time for like, how sh can we tell this story? How can we, fit on everything we want to fit in what is this what's really the most important message of all of this we asked those questions but never we never said to ourselves should we yeah uh, obviously we needed to but it was just a question of how i think that's the motivation too then behind it is if you're, you're not questioning yourself on the the should or what should be cut and you're you're framing that question on how do we how do we tell the story how do we make sure it's most concise um, what is the thing that you hope that audiences take away from this, um, from seeing this film? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, there's so much. One of the things that we've been talking about a bit is, is just how much, um, music education is so important for more than, than creating great musicians, you know, and, and how much yeah. that can lead to someone being able to, I mean, the students in the film talk about it, but uh, how much Ismarai, the saxophonist, learned discipline from playing the saxophone, or Amanda found self-confidence with the piano in, in the face of, you know, crippling fear of, of her future and, and whether or not she'd find a purpose. And, um, you know, uh, with Porsche in the face of, of um, her family having health issues. And, uh, you know, I think that the fact that these students have access to something that can help them move through whatever they're moving through and, and, channel all of that um whether or not that 
leads to them becoming a, a a great musician is is kind of beside the point. It's really about uh, how that will you know ripple out into the the rest of their lives in terms of like what skills they learn playing an instrument or being in an orchestra or being in band um, might lend themselves to you know whatever they do in their future. I think that's one of the one of the things. Oh, I'm glad I got an A on taking away this from the film then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. What were you going to say, Matt? Uh, I just want to know what's next for both of you. Are you going to work together again? I know you've worked uh, together in the past. Put them on the spot. <laughs> never. No, I'm never working. <laughs> never again. Always ends it disaster. Always ends up in an Oscar nomination. <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, we, uh, it's easy, you know, yeah. we, we love working together. The relationship is easy. The work is hard, obviously, mm -hmm. as, as, as it is trying to make something that's really great and gets to the center of it. But working together has always been easy and something that, you know, we just have a lot of mutual respect and love and admiration for each other. And, you know, it's kind of boring, but. That, you know, just a good relationship. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> working with your friends makes all of the difference. It makes yeah. the hard stuff not feel as hard, and so I completely understand that. Do y'all have anything on the like on the back burner or on the on the stove right now that's boiling? You can tell you're us. A, well, you're a journalist, aren't you? Okay, so. Our last interview, I told Matt, I was like, are we really crappy investigative journalists? Because we didn't ask this question. So I remember, I was like, I was like, I'm going to get in. Yeah. Are you, do you get it? What, what? Yeah. Nothing like to we, announce. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> yep, yep. Okay. Conversations all the time about, about things that yeah. we're thinking about, but yeah, nothing, nothing concrete. All yet. right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll find I'll You'll find another way out. <laughs> i appreciate it love the inside scoop uh, all right well i i think that's uh that wraps this up well thank you ben and chris for joining us today and and good luck at the oscars next month thank, uh, thank you so much Does everybody know what they're wearing <laughs> by chance what do you think? <laughs> okay. All right i guess we'll keep an eye on the red carpet all right yeah. you guys it was so uh, nice to be with you we will <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Well, that was really fun. Did you enjoy talking to them, Michael? It was. They were both so kind. Um, I wish I had known that Chris was this, like, I need to look his music up. He's I know. I'm so excited to player. look him up on Spotify or something. Yeah. We are slowly but surely getting better at our investigative journalism, as you can tell. But it's a it's a journey, and we'll get there. But no, I'm glad that um, the takeaway that just I mean it 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 radiates off of the film. Like I think I, mean, I don't want to be so aggressive and be like you'd have to be dense not to get it. But like, well, yeah, I mean it's it, yeah pretty straightforward it, documentary. It does about a really good job of uh, just like highlighting acts of kindness and yes this is mm -hmm. surrounding music and repairing the instruments and the care that they have for all of these instruments that you can truly tell that these are i mean i'll i dare to go as far as say artisans of some way yeah. to caring for these instruments it was just really really cool to see the different perspectives from children to the people that work there 
Mm-hmm. I'm super glad that we got to take a chance to see it out and then also hear from the guy who made it. Very yeah. cool. And it'll be very cool Thanks to for see setting that up. end up winning the, the Oscar in, in a few weeks. That'd be really exciting. I know. Fingers crossed, y'all. Yeah. All right. You ready right. for our for go on? I'm ready. Oh yeah, yeah Gabby's still here, ever everybody. Go <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tom. Ready as will. Ready as will ever be. <laughs> All right. Well, this is go on the segment where one of us educates the other about interesting things in the culture, unearthing hidden gems and little known trivia from the world of entertainment, and it's mine this week. So. Since we talked a lot today about the Oscars and and short films in general, um, this this is my uh, go on for y'all. So, though he died in 1966, did you know that Walt Disney still holds the record for most Oscars won and nominated for an individual? So, yeah. So, as a producer, he won 26 (laughs) Academy Awards most of which were for short films, and most of those, obviously, because it's Disney, were for animated short films. I was and just about live action. to ask. Yeah. I was like, did he get any live action? Yeah, he's won live action. He won uh, most of them animation. He had, like, four honorary Oscars in his lifetime, well, no. um, one of which was just for creating Mickey Mouse. They gave him an Oscar just because he created well i know how you feel about honorary award why why do you say that (laughs) because who is it that i said is an egot and you're like well Uh, well okay so those nerds of us that like to keep track of who are egots we don't consider honorary awards to be well but they have to be a competitive award that's one with like yeah okay Okay. Yeah, I get. But like, I mean, these are all really talented people. If you you get an honorary Oscar, you've done something right in your career. Uh, Duh. (laughs) I want Gabby's trying to get an honorary Patient of the Year award after her eye surgery, so she's definitely trying to be. She's got. She's got it. It's in the bag, Gabby. Appreciate it. Using those eye drops. Thank you for your consideration. (laughs) That that is right. I. Actually, your your eye doctor is going to be like, why am I getting all these random postcards of like photos of you for your consideration? She's like, did you please tell your friends to stop? It's not an award. Well, we'll make it an award. Awesome. Okay, cool, Matt. Yeah. Man, Walt Disney. That's my little, still, little bit of trivia for, for y'all this week. Still getting them from the grave. Yeah. Now, riddle me this. Yeah. He got the award for creating Mickey Mouse. Is it the Mickey Mouse that just became it free? Is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mickey mm-hmm. Mouse. Yeah. Okay. He's you out are about correct. You're the one that everybody. just went to public domain. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited to see what happens with Mickey Mouse in the future. <laughs> I know. Okay. Well, that's a whole other rant that we could go on. Yeah. Awesome, Matt. Well, I really thank you for lining up that interview for us. I really enjoyed the conversation with both Ben and Chris. Yeah. <laughs> and well, thanks again to Ben Proudfoot and Chris Bowers. Please check out The Last Repair Shop. It's currently streaming on Hulu, Disney Plus. You can find it on YouTube. 
And for a limited time, you can also see it in theaters. And thanks to Gabby for joining us today. And thank you all for also joining us on this episode of Matinee with Matt. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to hit that like button. Subscribe for more and follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Matinee with Matt to stay updated on all things film, television, and pop culture. That's a wrap. <laughs>